You're listening to We, we, we the Aether Podcast, with host Adam Evans, within and without. Welcome. Okay, Lynn, thank you for taking the time today to have this chat and for coming on the podcast. And just to get things started, do you mind introducing yourself and what you're involved with? Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Um, so I am, um, I guess, a rogue scientist in a way. Um, my background's in neurobiology. And um, my biggest sort of overarching passion is helping support people in their quest for finding um, health and wellness, specifically around mental health. Um, and that's kind of taken me a lot of different directions. Um, one, you know, into the supplement industry, developing my own nutritional aids to help support people um, in, in recalibrating the nervous system and, and finding happiness and balance. And I also do quite a bit of psychedelic advocacy work and research. Um, I speak a lot at events on psychedelics, on um, their effects and potential as a medicine for autoimmune conditions and trauma and inflammatory conditions. Um, and I'm also a Cambo practitioner, which I'm not sure if anyone has heard of that, but um, it's basically an Amazonian frog uh, medicine that comes from the uh, secretion from a skin of a very specific type of tree frog. And it is used as a uh, spiritual and medicinal ritual by various Amazonian peoples. So um, I kind of got my toes in a lot of different obscure, strange things, but really the grand theme is just trying to find ways to support others in their, their journey to wellness and joy. And what initially brought you down that path or sparked an interest in getting into that field? Yeah, well, I think like um, a lot of other people, I struggled with depression and anxiety. And, um, you know, it's kind of an interesting synergy of how I got interested in all of these things, but very much a personal story. When I was in my undergraduate, um, getting my degree in neurobiology, I was using a lot of psychedelics and going to festivals, Burning Man, you know, exploring consciousness, drinking ayahuasca. And uh, when I was in sort of my last year of school, the classes were quite difficult. You know, it was like organic chemistry and biochemistry and all sorts of calculus and stuff. So I sort of took a break from partying, thus psychedelic use. And I was just going to buckle down and focus on school. And an interesting sort of pattern that I found was that around the seventh to eighth week after my last LSD experience, um, my brain chemistry would start to kind of slowly unravel. Like I would become increasingly anxious, irritable, unsettled, and depressed, even though there was circumstantially nothing really changing. And it has happened about three or four times, like around that seven to eighth week after my last experience. And um, what I had kind of discovered was that I had uh, depression and anxiety uh, with, you know, some sort of physiological, um, you know, origin. And I had been actually medicating with psychedelics. And once I realized that, I was like, okay, well, that's cool. But um, what's causing this in the first place? And that is really where my obsession with the role of nutrition and nutrients and um, the, the botanical effects on things like depression and anxiety came into play. And I just spiraled down a rabbit hole um, into the scientific literature, 
looking at mood disorders and mental illnesses and how crucial nutrients are for really fundamental biochemical processes of making neurotransmitters, of repairing and growing new dendrites and synaptic spines, and just really fundamental basic neuro, um, neurological health. So uh, that prompted me to start my company, uh, which, you know, I also have a lot of sort of psychedelic um, synergy with, you know, the work I do in promoting the nutritional piece, um, lifestyle piece, and also just overall, you know, mind, body, spirit healing. Mm -hmm. and, and what was the first uh, product that you had launched on your supplement line? <laughs> well, it's actually a product that we no longer have. Um, it was quite an evolution to get to where we are now. Originally, I launched the company with a party recovery product, and um, it was called Revive. And I was so afraid of labeling it as party recovery that I didn't really say what it was for. And it was kind of vague and nobody really knew what the heck it was for. Um, and so then I actually took that product and repackaged it into tiny little packets um, that have like a weekend supply of these party recovery pills. And then I changed the name to Weekend Warrior. Um, that product is discontinued and also just kind of, you know, getting rid of whatever's left of the inventory. Um, because what we discovered was that it's quite a niche group um, of people that are uh, forethinking enough to know they're going to take drugs and party and feel tired and buy the supplements ahead of time. Um, and, you know, it, it just wasn't a business model that was working. And we realized that the market for people that um, really need mood and stress support was a lot bigger and really kind of more aligned with what I was passionate about anyways. So that's the direction that we, we went. Um, and that has really been a good direction for us to go because there's a lot of people that need help. Mm -hmm. And was that where Transcend came into play after that? Absolutely. Um, yeah, Transcend was really the, the mood and stress support product that we launched with that had a very clear um, use for people. It wasn't vague about what, what it was for. People knew what it was for. And I, I do think that, you know, developing the other products um, was essential in leading to the evolution of Transcend, getting feedback from people, um, diving deeper into the neuroscience literature and, and fine tuning and tweaking formulations and the manufacturing process. Mm -hmm. And so what brought you to that formulation that you, that you, I mean, did you start with that or was it like a process of like, take out this, put in this and like, how, how did that overall process unfold for you in terms of formulating the actual blend? Yeah. I mean, it was something that kind of, uh, you know, unfolded in a matter of years. Um, the original product that was for the party recovery was not that different from the transcend. Um, it was kind of just like a 1.0 version and um, really, it was a collection of years of reading a lot of scientific literature and doing a lot of self-experimentation with uh, all these different agents on their own to kind of get a feel for each of them um, uniquely. They're like their, their individual essence of each molecule, each plant, and, um, and then, you know, half, half formulated with um, sort of an intellectual 
you know, analysis of the, the scientific literature. And then the other half was based somewhat on intuition based on my personal experiences with these compounds and then formulating them in a way that felt really balanced, but was also backed by the scientific literature um, and creating a product that doesn't push anyone too far one direction or the other, but rather supports the body's natural ability to rebalance and to reinitiate homeostatic, you know, um, centeredness. Mm -hmm. And what do you think it is that is the driving force or driving factor of, of the fact that, well, people are wanting this type of supplement. Like, how do you think this, because I do think the market is getting bigger and bigger. People that are experiencing these uh, symptoms of depression, anxiety, and you know, all sorts of stuff. I've talked with a few different people on this podcast about it, but I want to get your opinion. What is your opinion on why you think people are experiencing uh, these bouts of depression or, or having, I think it's from external stimuli, but it also I'm sure comes from within their own self, their diets, um, you know, exercise levels, whatnot. But I also think it's due to the overwhelming information that's in our society right now. Um, some of the people on the podcast have discussed phytoestrogens and things like that that are affecting our hormones and everything. But I do want to get your take on it, like why you think that market is just, just booming so much. I would say that even in the past five years, it's just gotten so big and it's continuing to expand. Yeah, well, th certainly the supplement industry is growing in general. And I think that is for a variety of reasons. Um, one, I think we are starting to see people's bodies fall apart for various reasons. Their, their mental um, bandwidth is falling apart. And yeah, I think there's a lot of sort of chemical agents to blame such as, you know, very neurotoxic pesticides and endocrine disruptors and um, overuse of antibiotics and, you know, lack of, um, you know, effective minerals in the soil to create healthy, nutritious food. I mean, there's a whole bunch of toxic assaults that our body is dealing with on a regular basis. You know, the sort of loss of biodiversity in our microbiome, um, you know, the bacteria in our gut. So there's definitely, you know, a physiological piece, but also, you know, the world is moving in a direction, especially, you know, if you look at the sort of ecological impact of things like climate change, um, I think that's raising a lot of feelings of insecurity and, and unsettledness in people as well. Um, we've also really lost a personal connection or a sense of tribalism where we feel socially supported. You know, everybody is now interacting socially via technology like social media or cell phones and it's kind of eroding the natural social support systems that we co-evolved with to feel safe, to feel supported to to be able to thrive so i think it's quite multifactorial why people um are feeling more depressed more stressed you know we also live in an, a digital age where there's a, a lot of information that we're inundated with um at once and we are constantly overstimulated and our nervous systems really aren't designed to be stimulated that regularly and to have zero downtime or to, you know, work 12 hours a day and to not sleep and to take, you know, your coffee in the morning and then your antidepressants and have a beer at night. Um, so just our whole lifestyle and our whole culture has really diverged away from what our biology is evolved to 
cope and thrive with. So I think that's why we're seeing a lot of depression and anxiety and mental illnesses skyrocket. And I, I think also the reason that the supplement industry is growing is that as we have these more chronic and difficult to treat problems erupt at epidemic levels in the population, um, we're finding that you know conventional medicine has a lot of limitations in being able to help people. And people that are you know desperate, they're they're looking outside of conventional medications because they've tried that and they're not working. So I think a growing distrust in conventional Western uh, medical treatments and approaches is sending people towards the supplement industry um, in general. So I think, like I said, multifactorial reasons why we're moving towards supplements. Mm -hmm. I do notice that as well. People are starting to distrust the, the medical system as it's become, it seems to just be prescription based with like a, an average of like under a minute or some crazy number that a, that a patient will see a doctor uh, before just getting prescribed and then shuffled, shuffled out of the room. Uh, so I do feel a lot of people are going in the direction of like holistic remedies and whatnot, even in terms of just looking at the sheer, because I'm, I'm in a technological digital marketing space, but looking at the sheer volume of search and stuff, it seems to just be on the incline for holistic remedies, holistic treatments to you know, all sorts of different diseases and illnesses. So I think you're in a really good space. And I think it's like a space that is, is growing rapidly. Um, how many supplements have you launched under your, under your line? Well, we actively have two products at the moment, but if you include the sort of, you know, practice products, um, we've launched a total of four, um, but really, yeah, we have two that we're, you know, actively manufacturing and selling. And we are in the process of expanding our line. Um, you know, sleep, I think, is going to be our next target because sleep is also a really challenging topic for people. And if you're not sleeping well, you, know, you really can't have optimal brain function and mood. Um, and, you know, there's all sorts of directions that we see going, but we are a two-person company. So it's, it's a slow process of, like, you know, handling one new product at a time. We're not we're not like some multi-million dollar company that can just launch, you know, hundred products, you know, without even blinking. It's quite expensive to create a custom formulation. Actually, it's like, you know, really like probably $20,000 just for the minimum quantity to even start. And then, you know, then you have to sell it, which is a whole nother, <laughs> whole nother challenge. So. Mm -hmm. I noticed the pricing on your product is actually pretty reasonable as well. When I consider the, like the actual ingredients in it, and when I compare with a lot of other uh, different products out there that are basically uh, advertising a similar type of, uh, I guess it's in a similar market or a similar um, targeting, similar, similar demographic. But I did notice that your pricing is, is pretty fair. Um, one thing about, and I guess it's just a little side note, because I, I know we did that, that video recently, and I'll put the link to that video that I, that I reviewed um, your products in the description here. But uh, I wanted to know, if you've implemented any affiliate program for that product, I think we briefly talked about it before, but in terms of like getting it out there and getting it sold, I think it's like one of the most effective ways to do so. Just giving people a, a good affiliate commission and just letting people in that sort of healing, wellness, holistic health space to kind of promote your product for you. So have you created any programs like that yet for, for your products? We've definitely dabbled in it. Um, one of the issues that, you know, you also pointed out is that the, the margin's really not there. Um, we really, in an effort to make the product affordable, 
Um, we have grossly undersold it really. Um, it's quite- I don't, I don't interrupt here, but it, it's like if you guys increased your pricing just a bit, yeah. yourself that room that you'd have affiliates that be able to do your marketing for you. So it's like, I just think it's something you could consider. I just work with a lot of different brands and a lot of different companies on my like nine to five type of job. And I find that like a little tweak like that could set you off in a really good direction. Also some brands I work with on like creating YouTube promos and whatnot, uh, a lot of like CBD companies nowadays, they have huge margins. And uh, I know affiliates are a huge driving factor of their sales. Like mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's kind of one of those things where if you align yourself to even a handful of affiliates, they could pretty much drive your revenue. And then anything you produce on top of that is just like icing on the cake. So just something yeah. if you guys did, uh, I know it's like a kind of a, big thought to take on right now to adjust your pricing, but I did notice it was, it was kind of lower than I thought it would be for the what's included in it. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. Increased it, and it wouldn't be that outrageous, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree. And that is on our radar. Um, the only challenge with that has been currently our, the majority of our revenue is um, from Amazon and people that shop on Amazon, um, they want the cheap stuff. And so what we found is when we do raise the prices on Amazon, our sales drop. And right now the cash flow from our Amazon sales is what's moving the company forward. So um, in the future, um, you know, we're probably going to creep up our prices just so that this can be a sustainable business for us. But right now we don't want to pull the plug on, you know, our bread and butter as of yet until we feel like we have enough, um, enough sales so that we can afford to lose the people that don't value the product at what it really should be uh, sold as. So yeah, it's a process, you know, we just have to be strategic about not, um, not gutting our own throat, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It almost maybe even you would create a new supplement that's geared towards marketing with affiliates and then you can start. Yeah. Or just, or just relabeling the same formulation. Yeah. Yeah. That, that too. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're, we're already on it. Trust me. <laughs> All right. Um, so getting a little bit away from that, uh, I did want to talk about maps because you, you mentioned it earlier and I know that you had gone to a conference. Uh, do you go to conferences a lot relating to neuroscience and, and do you have a lot to do with maps that are involved with them? Yeah. Yeah. I, I do work with them um, on occasion. I mean, really just kind of in the psychedelic community uh, and research community in general. I have a lot of affiliations with everybody um, and I do present at psychedelic conferences quite a bit. Um, you know, lately I've been, I've been talking a lot about um, the implications of psychedelics for autoimmune conditions and the evidence that they could be really effective interventions uh, for that whole category of diseases. Mm, that's pretty neat. Yeah, I actually, I've, I've spoken with a few people about autoimmune and um, I, I take uh, different mushrooms, not psychedelic mushrooms. I never really thought about psychedelics as a treatment for autoimmune, but it's, it's interesting. Uh, but I take different mushrooms like uh, lion's mane, cordyceps, militaris, uh, shaga, red reishi, and I find those help with like autoimmune uh, and just building that immune system support. Has that been something you've considered creating a supplement around, like those type of ingredients, like lion's mane? I've actually made a YouTube video on lion's mane. I can't remember how many views it's at. It's got to be like 50K or more now. But um, it's pretty popular, like the, those, those mushroom blends. Yeah, um, I've definitely considered it. Um, to be honest, uh, I haven't dabbled a lot with the medicinal mushrooms um, because I actually have um, 
quite a hypervigilance against any sort of fungal organism. So my body is highly reactive to mushrooms, yeast, mold, fungus. And I've found that a lot of people that are chronically ill or have autoimmune conditions, perhaps um, like a candida or yeast overgrowth or a, some sort of fungal organism that's kind of ran rampant, they also tend to have sensitivity to mushrooms and fungal sort of ingredients. So um, I haven't really dove down that path yet, uh, mostly just because I haven't personally felt safe to investigate all those mushrooms. But yeah, eventually that's something that I could see us doing. Um, but like I said, it, it kind of, it's kind of a big process to launch each new product. So I'm starting with what I feel like I know really well and can actually experiment with, with my own body first, just to feel solid about the formulation. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. So now when you do speak uh, for at different conferences and whatnot for maps, what are you typically covering? Like what topics are you going over? I mean, I know you mentioned autoimmune, but um, what else? Do you typically yeah. Uh, that's that's mainly what I've been focusing on lately, um, but that's kind of like a, a, a larger sort of topic. I, I talk about the immune modulating properties of psychedelics um, via their binding to the serotonergic system and how the serotonergic system does modulate all these immune processes in different tissues of the body. Um, I also talk about, you know, their potential effects on the microbiome, which is you know, dramatically involved with autoimmunity and chronic inflammatory illnesses. Um, and also the role of psychedelics in helping resolve and unwinding trauma and the resulting autonomic nervous system dysfunction that happens after, um, you know, childhood trauma. Um, that really, I found that the trauma is usually the core of why the person developed the chronic or autoimmune illness in the first place. Um, and also the anti-inflammatory effects of psychedelics. You know, it's very preliminary research, but there's a lot of evidence that these are potent anti-inflammatory agents, which can help mitigate the chronic inflammation that people with autoimmunity are experiencing. And that can actually kind of viciously cycle um, into creating more damage and then more inflammation and, you know, perpetuate this, this illness and this um, immune dysfunction in people. Mm. And where do you think that trauma is held? Like, is, is it held in the mind of the individual or do you, is, it, is it more of a physiological type of thing? I think for the most part, once it's manifesting as a physical illness, it is embedded in the body. Um, you know, it, it might occur in the mind originally, but having, having a chronic, chronically stressful experience um, or even just like a dramatically stressful experience, um, the nervous system holds that for a while. It holds you in this hypervigilant, sympathetic, flight or fight state because it doesn't feel safe. And it feels like it needs to stay alert and run from the tiger or defend itself or whatever. And um, when you're stuck in that sympathetic state for a long time, your body starts to really run out of resources because you're not meant to be running from a tiger for years on end. You know, it's when you're in this stress response, your body is taking all of its resources and investing it in this important, you know, um, fleeing from the tiger. And it's willing to 
put the digestion on hold, the immune system, all these repair processes, stuff that's really only important for long-term, you know, sustaining of an organism gets put on hold when you're in a flight or fight situation and it's grabbing, you know, all the sugars, all the energy, all the resources from your body and pouring it into, you know, making sure that your muscles can run really, really fast right now for the next 20 seconds. And um, we're not designed to be in a flight or fight for a long-term amount of time. And it's really not sustainable for our health. And so you start to see uh, the body be compromised in other ways. For example, the digestion is shut down. You're not extracting nutrients from your food, which are fundamental to running the whole machine. You know, you can't build a brick wall without bricks. And, um, you know, your immune system gets shut down because, you know, we're not worried about pathogens and infections that are going to happen, you know, slowly in a week. We're worried about the tiger that we're running from. So you start to get organisms that um, can infect and overgrow or crowd out healthy bacteria in the body and create dysbiosis or imbalance of microbial populations. And then that contributes to autoimmunity or chronic inflammation or pain or more digestive issues. So those are just like examples of of how this chronic stress can start to manifest in other parts of the body downstream, um, you know, weeks, months, even years after the initial stressful experience. Because once you're compromised, um, it's really easy to just get out of whack and, and for it to escalate. Mm -hmm. and, and I hear it's like, um, it's almost like we're always under attack from like bacteria and things like that. And our immune system naturally defends these things. But then when we get into those fight or flight states, it's like the stress hormone just shoots up. Like we have a, a rising cortisol and all of a sudden our immune system drops. It's like our firewall defense drops and all of yeah. a sudden bacteria can start to attack us and our natural defenses don't, don't really take uh, or do the job they should. Um, so I think it's like a, it's a pretty big epidemic I'd say at, at, in our current, uh, in our current time. Um, so what do you find that, uh, have you heard of the recent um, decriminalization of the psilocybin mushrooms in mm -hmm. two different states, right? Yeah, in Oakland and, um, you know, Colorado. And I, I think the movement is popping up in a lot of other cities right now. Uh -huh. And what do you find that the, and this is, again, getting into mushrooms and fungi and stuff, but aside from that, other psychedelics as well. But what do you find is actually occurring in the brain? Because you hear a lot of things like it rewires your brain or it helps like build new, uh, I guess, repair synapses and whatnot. So what do you find is actually occurring in the brain that's allowing people to get out of that fight or flight? Yeah, I actually read a, a really interesting paper on um, the role of two different serotonin receptors in um, mediating st uh, stress coping response in a human being, or perhaps it was rats, in mammals, um, and, and the implications for why psychedelics might um, provide this sort of novel way for overcoming um, a stressor. And it's really interesting. A lot of the sort of typical SSRIs or serotonin drugs that target the 5-HT1A receptor, um, that receptor allows the body to kind of cope or tolerate with the stressor. Um, so you're, you're sort of mitigating uh, and just, you know, gritting your teeth 
uh, at the stressor when, when that um, serotonin receptor is being utilized for overcoming stress. When you start hitting the 5-HT2A serotonergic receptor, which is what a lot of the classical psychedelics um, are known to bind the strongest to, um, it actually creates this different way of coping with a stressor that it, um, it propulses forward a, how do I, how do I phrase this? Um, it allows you to come up with creative solutions to remove yourself from the environment of the stressor. Does that make sense? Like to actually, rather than coping with it, like the 5-HT1A uh, subtype would, would help you do, it actually provides you with the motivation and the intellectual flexibility to find a creative solution to what is causing the stress for, stressor in the environment. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, yeah. I'm actually listening to an audiobook right now. It's called The Biology of Belief, and it touches on mm -hmm. a lot of this stuff. And it, it basically says that <clears throat> even getting into the fight or flight reaction stress response, how um, it'll funnel, it'll flow through the brain, and it'll hit the, um, I don't know if it was a hypothalamus. I'm not sure. I'm not a neuroscientist, not a neuroscientist but uh, basically it flows through there into the, um, uh, into the pineal gland, and the pineal gland will communicate with like 50 trillion cells of the body. And the cells of the body are, they react to their perceived environment. So it's like what you're saying kind of makes sense because if you eliminate the environment, you change the environment, you change the circumstance, you can set yes. yourself to work around whatever problem or stressor you may be having. So if the psychedelics allows you to have that perception to do so, um, perception to change what you're perceiving, yeah, it does make sense. It does make a lot of sense. I've had certain psychedelic experiences where I'll get those like intuitions and it's like, duh, it's like a dumb moment. Like, oh shoot, there's that, you know, option or that resolution or this route I can take. So um, yeah, it was really interesting that you, that you mentioned that. Yeah. It seems like it in some way returns agency and empowerment to the individual where they realize they don't have to sort of sink into the learned helplessness model of tolerating a stress and just numbing out and dealing with it. They can actually rise up, take, um, take authority and be proactive about changing their situation, changing, changing whatever's traumatizing them or, or keeping them stuck. Uh, and then there's also, you know, the neuroplasticity that we see um, these compounds really promote the sprouting of new neurons, new dendrites, new synaptic cells. And they actually kind of provide opportunity for networks to rearrange themselves so you can disrupt these old grooves, this old patterning within the brain and nervous system and actually just kind of start something new. And I think that's another sort of fundamental piece to why they allow us to get unstuck and, and adopt new patternings in our life. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. Like helping build new neural pathways that you can take. Exactly. Yeah, that's really neat. So have you had any transformative psychedelic experiences uh, outside of the, what, what effect it may have had on your, just your mind and how you came out of it, but um, any, any just major intuitions or some people call it downloads and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> that you would have experienced during that time. Actually, I spoke with someone recently. He said he doesn't necessarily receive downloads in the sense of like going into uh, when it comes to psychedelics and meditation, but it's more just uh, a heightened awareness that comes now once they move about the world and their normal day-to-day -day experience. So it's kind of like alluding to a bit what we just discussed, but 
have you had any major transformative experiences uh, such as that? <laughs> I've had a lot. The first couple to come to mind that were really powerful for you. Oh my God. Well, I've had hundreds of psychedelic experiences, so it's a little bit hard for me to pinpoint. Yeah, it's all kind of jumble up after a certain point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they they really start to melt together. And and then, you know, like you were saying, like um they really change how your your mind operates in its waking normal sober state. And so the the difference between how I am in sober, you know, versus in a psychedelic state, it's not as far of a leap as it used to be for me. Um, you know, I guess they call that permafried, but I call it um, open and the door is open. Um, yeah, definitely have gotten some very specific downloads, both during psychedelic experiences and then, you know, in this sort of semi-open, more mindful state that I kind of occupy in my daily life now. Um, I've had, you know, some ayahuasca experiences where um, I actually just asked, I said, tell me what I need to know to like move the world of science forward. And she just was like, all right, boom, there you go. Um, and gave me some very, very detailed, specific understanding of the, the physics of molecular memory and how things like neurotransmitters and proteins and um, small messenger molecules actually hold these large, infinite amounts of data um, and that, you know, the molecules that make them up really hold a memory of every sort of existence that they've had in, in each different organism, um, each different lifetime, if, if that makes any sense. I mean, obviously I can't prove any of that, but <laughs> um, it, it felt very true and it still feels very true to me. So there have been situations like that where I'm just getting this like spiritual biology lesson, <laughs> which is really cool because I, I am a scientist by by background, but I'm, I'm a highly spiritual being as well. And I really like to um, play with bridging the gap between those because I don't see them as separate. I see uh, biology as this, this beautiful manifestation of God or greater consciousness or the universe or whatever you like to call it. Um, which makes it fun to explore consciousness and spirituality um, and, and science because it I feel like the more science I learn, the the closer I am to um, you know God or or the ultimate consciousness or even my my own spirit. Mm, it's funny how like going back maybe a few decades, you'd think science would be over here, spirituality would be over here, but like it is coming to a point where it's like gap is, is being bridged. I actually made a podcast episode. It was a solo cast where I attempted to do just that. I was like heavily into, I'll go through like bouts of really wanting to learn physics for like a year and I'll just pound through physics books. So I actually made an episode where I discussed physics um, and string theory. And then I tried to bridge a gap in, in the understanding of that. Uh, and then going into like Indian uh, Vedic texts and things like that from spirituality and, and Hinduism. So I was just trying to bring it all together because there is some similarities and uh, I think that it's just not too far apart. So it's kind of neat that, that you're a scientist but you get involved in, in the sort of spiritual metaphysical side of things as well. Um, so I actually wanted to ask you about the Cambo, the, the frog poison. I have a friend of mine that does that every now and then. Is that the one where you, it, like he, he gets it on his arm or something like that? Is that the mm -hmm. one? Okay. So what's the experience out of that exactly? Because I know it's probably not the same as the, the DMT 
one right in smoke, but that, that's also from a frog. I don't know if it's from the same frog. It's, it's from a toad. Frog and toad are different. Okay. Um, yeah, so, so the Cambo is, is not a psychedelic experience. Um, that's very important to make sure that people understand that. And it's currently legal and unscheduled. So um, it's made through um, superficial burns on the skin, uh, usually on the arm, or you can get more fancy with different chakras, um, acupuncture, meridians, or even the auricular ear points, depending on your practitioner, what they're trained to do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's quite a unique experience. I have to say, um, there's nothing else like it. And as a practitioner, you know, I work with it a lot. And the longer I have a relationship with it, the more weird it is to me, honestly, like the weirder it gets. And the more I'm just like, huh, okay, I guess some things you just don't have to understand to appreciate. Um, but as far as the experience goes, um, it's, it's very short. It's about a 20 to 30 minute experience of actually being in the medicine and it's largely a an uncomfortable purgative experience you know within about 30 seconds to a minute after the secretion is applied to your burns it goes into the lymphatic system and the effects come on quickly and you can feel your heart start to beat you know fuller and harder um you get like a hot flushing sensation in the body as if you've taken niacin uh, you might feel tingling sensations in the hands or different parts of the body. Um, and then you get very nauseous and you vomit. That's, that's part of the experience. And the idea is that you're, you're purging physical and energetic toxicity that the medicine's pushing out of the body. Um, and sometimes people have to, you know, release by making a bowel movement and, and or shaking or crying. I mean, it can kind of look like a lot of different things. Um, but it's not like a mind altering experience. People are totally coherent and able to communicate the whole time. Um, and it is so short lived. So, you know, they're not like driving anywhere while they're in the middle of their experience. So they, they're just there and safe uh, until they're finished. And as quickly as it comes on, it is done. You know, it's, it's quite remarkable how fast you can go from feeling okay to feeling terrible to feeling good. Um, and it does have this really bizarre metaphysical spiritual piece to it that I really don't have like um, an explanation for how it works, but you really, you really can feel that you're interacting with some intelligent force and um, you feel this presence that is moving through your body and like doing all these things inside of you that you don't understand, um, but you can feel that there's a kindness and, and an intention, intentionality to it. And it's actually the after effect, the sort of days, weeks, um, and months after the experience where you see the benefit unfold. It's like this internal process of dramatically changing your chemistry with all these peptides from the secretion creates this massive ripple through like space-time <laughs> metaphysics and you actually can see how your internal process is altering your external environment um which that's the part i really can't explain to you it's, it's like some quantum you know effect um and i've seen it enough that i know that it's not just coincidence at this point like i people's lives just like start to really shift and move around um all because this like chemical agent 
disrupts whatever weird patterning or grooves or trauma they're holding in the physical body. And there's this resulting sort of outward fluctuation of the matrix, you know? So mm -hmm. kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds interesting. I mean, I've, I've tried, um, I, I mean, I've done, I've ingested four ACO DMT, which is, um, it's like a chemical variation on, on DMT. It's, it's made in a lab and I, it was, yeah. you know, that lasted, I don't know. It was like a, maybe a 10 hour high peaking at around peaking at around four hours until about the like six or seventh hour. So like a good three hours of just steady, like out there. And I did have this sense of like connectivity within a matrix or a web of information or energy, which was mm -hmm. really interesting. Um, and then that sort of feeling of like an internal experiencing external experience then being manifest outwards, uh, either through a project, just me projecting out, you know, or, um, yeah, it sounds very similar actually to to what you described there. Um, although the ten hours is a lot longer than the, the twenty. Minutes. <laughs> yeah, I thank goodness this doesn't last for ten hours. But um, yeah, I mean, I I always tell people it's um, it's kind of like its own doorway. Like you know, psychedelics can open a doorway of consciousness. Maybe meditation opens its own doorway, um, and then cambo is its own its own place. Um, but it is mind expansive, I would say. Like, you do feel more mindful and um, you're picking up more sensory data and, and intuition um, after experiencing the Cambo. But in a way that's different to a psychedelic experience, it really adds like a, another layer of dimension and depth to your perception and your waking state. Hmm, that's interesting. That might be something I try someday. I, yeah, a buddy of mine has been pitching it to me for a while, and I think it's been <laughs> a couple of years now. So um, there's some ceremonies that he goes to in, in the city of Toronto. I'm, I just live on the outside of Toronto, so uh, yeah, one day I might try it out. Um, so touching on what you just mentioned, actually meditation, do you have any meditative practice or even something like a, like yoga or anything like that that you, that you do? Yeah, definitely. Um, I just did yoga this morning. Um, and I, I do have a meditation practice. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's not the most robust practice, but that's part of my process is, you know, getting better and more disciplined at it. Um, you know, I've, I've done like meditation retreats, like Vipassana style and, you know, experimented with a couple different types of meditation, like Zen and transcendental and, and Vipassana style mindfulness meditation, um, which I found to be really helpful and honestly every person should have a meditation practice like I can't think of any reason why someone shouldn't meditate but it is hard especially when you're in a keyed up state to sit there and try to focus you know on nothing or you know whatever the focus of your meditation is um, it's really hard and for me I had to go away to a meditation retreat to even make that initial leap in creating a practice at all because I had to put myself in an environment where there was nothing else for me to do. And I was just going to sit there and meditate all day, you know, so that when I am sitting there and I'm like bored or like, I can't focus, there's no, there's no out. There's nowhere for me to go. And I'm like, well, I'm going to be sitting here for the next 12 hours. I might as well at least try. Um, so getting through the obstacle of just like not being able to focus or sit still, it's helpful if you, put yourself in a retreat where there's nothing else to distract you and there's frankly nothing else to do. So you might as well sit there and do nothing and eventually you'll meditate. Yeah. I feel a similar, 
similar way, I, I find that if I go out in nature, it's a lot easier for me. If I just go for walks or if I go into like a forest or something like that, it just comes so much more naturally than if I'm like trying to do it even at, at my home or, you know, anywhere really, like anywhere where there's like electronics nearby, it makes it yeah. like, ding, ding. Constant ding. And even just the fact that like we're so programmed now to like instinctively pick up our devices. I think the average was like every 10 minutes, someone checks their phone um, for the average person. It's just, it is crazy. So uh, it's very disruptive. I find that going out in nature is, is just really beneficial. So it's just for you to say that to go to retreats. I've personally never gone to any. Um, I, initially, I lived like in the core of the city of Toronto, which was just like chaotic as hell. Like I was there for about almost 10 years. Um, and then just like the parades and the thing and like all the craziness, all the people, I just was like, mm. I need to get out of this. So now I'm just a little bit outside, like 20, 30 minutes, more immersed in nature. Uh, I'm actually selling my house right now. I'm going even further, a little bit east of the city to get more in nature, like a little bit more acreage. Um, just because I find like you, you have to put yourself in that environment in order to really, I mean, just because of so much technological devices for me, especially like I have, like right now I'm just looking at like three screens, three phones in front of me. Like normally I have a laptop here as well. Like it's just crazy and overwhelming. So, um, just for anyone that's listening, I would recommend just getting out in nature. If you, if you do find it difficult to meditate, I kind of yeah. like the same because I get the same way sometimes, like I'll sit and I'll be like, shoot. All right. How long has it been? Five minutes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Is this over yet? <laughs> Can yeah. I get back to working and checking my email? It was just like that for me today. Like I, some days I'll wake up and I'm like, yes, I feel great. And I can just go for like a half an hour and I'll have, or I'll have some really uh, great, like I'll do transcendental meditation or I'll do more of a Zen practice, which I prefer in nature. I'll just go sit somewhere. Um, I'll just do sky gazing. I actually had a uh, uh, Lama Surya Das on here who's um Dzogchen tradition, uh, Tibetan uh, Buddhist type of Lama. And we were talking about it, sky gazing, something really simple, you just lay down and you, mm. start the sky and you just get lost in, in the, I refer to it as the, the homogenous, homogenous nature of the sky and that, that we are a part of that same energy. And it's like, when I'm on the psychedelics, I, I realize that I feel it like deep in my core. And then when I'm not, it's like, I just look up on like, oh, sky, birds, clouds, you know, it's like the mind just identifies these objects and then yeah. the whole concept of, of how it's homogenized with everything else. So, um, I don't know how I got there, but it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a tangent. Um, but that's cool. That you do have meditative practice. So getting back to your, uh, your supplement company, I just wanted to know how you came up with that name. It's, um, a, a theozen. Is that correct? Infiozen. Yeah. yeah. So it's based off the word entheogen, which as you might have figured out by now, I'm a fan of entheogens. So entheogen um, is a, is, comes from the Greek um, language and it, it literally means to generate the divine from within. And it basically means that it's um, a plant that induces a spiritual experience. So things like peyote or ayahuasca um, or even salvia, I mean, really you can kind of, ascribe that definition to even something like passion flower that has, you know, mild psychoactive properties to it. Um, but that's what an entheogen is. It's a plant that has some sort of interaction with um, the nervous system and, and is psychoactive to some degree. And so um, I just kind of made my own word up, entheogen. <laughs> and voila, I didn't have to fight anyone for a trademark. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, and you, and you got the domain nice and easy. It worked out. Yeah, and you type that in, and like, there's nothing but infos and stuff showing up, except for maybe the occasional psychedelic forum where somebody made that as a username. But yeah, yeah, that's right. So, where do you see your your company, your business going, or even yourself over the next two years? I don't, I would ask five years, but again, we're in this fast-paced age that two is <laughs> to five. So, let's go with two. Where do you see it going in the next two years? Either yourself, are you going to be doing more speaking? Uh, I know you're, you're, you, do, um, you do work on trauma and a lot with, with people in these supplements. So would you even consider something down the road of actually having like retreats or something for these people where you can integrate these supplements, train these people, or no, educate, I suppose, these people on the value of these substances and how they can incorporate them in their, in their lives? Yeah, um, a lot of those things are kind of on the radar. Um, you know, as far as a two-year projection, definitely we are um, formulating new products um, for things that are really just kind of fundamental for brain and mood health. That's that's kind of our jam. It's like we just want people to feel happy and healthy. Um, so we're, we're planning on expanding our product line. Um, you know, one of the goals in the next year is that this can actually, like, pay me to sustain my life. <laughs> I'm actually getting my first payments um, this month, July, um, that I've ever received from this business. I've had this business for five and a half years. I've poured my blood, sweat, and tears into it. I've worked full-time for free and also worked other full-time jobs just to support myself while creating this, this business. So, um, you know, that's first step is like, okay, maybe it's time to start getting paid and be able to pay my bills and not have a million other jobs. Um, but I also see, you know, Entheosin is not just about selling supplements. It's, it's about a bigger mission of empowering people with information, with the resources, um, the tools, and the inspiration to take their health into their own hands and be proactive about improving their lives. And so um, I, I do want to start to move Entheosin into actually producing research that's surrounding the topic of mental health. Um, I'm personally involved, well, I just started a couple of Cambo research projects, which I haven't talked a lot about yet because they're very in the beginning stages of things. But, um, you know, I'm going to be publishing some Cambo research in the next year. And um, I really would like to see Entheosin um, perhaps building like a, a nonprofit or some sort of research institution even if it's small potatoes to start with, where we're actually funding and pioneering some really cutting edge research um, surrounding mental health um, or you know autoimmunity, because I feel like that is related to mental health in a lot of ways, um, or trauma resolution, or you know kind of anything surrounding that topic of just wellness, um, you know using different nutrients, using different uh, traditional medicines, things of that sort. So moving towards research for sure and pioneering that. And yeah, you mentioned retreats. Um, to be honest, right now I'm a little burnt out on being um, personally invested in everyone's uh, healing process. So I'm taking a little bit of time to step back and kind of do it from behind a computer screen, you know, creating helpful YouTube videos, um, creating blog posts, creating stuff where I don't have to like get sucked into their pain and their story as much, which is really draining. Um, but when I'm feeling a little bit more recharged, I do 
want to host um, very comprehensive retreats where uh, we provide a lot of different education and tools to people that they can take home with them and integrate into their normal life so that they can sustain their improvement after their treat. So, you know, that probably include Cambo and nutritional counseling and maybe uh, teaching them how to cook wholesome, um, healthy meals for themselves that are anti-inflammatory or, you know, are excluding ingredients that a lot of people have sensitivities to and incorporating acupuncture and, and yoga and meditation and really just helping them repattern how they relate to themselves, you know, through their self-love and their self-care and changing the way that they show up in their social relationships, including setting boundaries that will be conducive to having healthy relationships where they can honor themselves and others. So, so stuff like that, like I, I think would be incorporated into a, um, a comprehensive retreat aimed at helping people really dig their way out of whatever hole that they've gotten stuck in and that they're sick and unhappy. Mm, that's, that's really good. Yeah. No, I, I, I kind of had a vision uh, or got a vision of where you're going with that. It's more, it's really an all encompassing approach to, to human optimization and just well, overall wellness. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah. It's really yeah. Just a little bit of everything, you know, and then you can gravitate towards what resonates with you, you know, just getting a sampler of all these different modalities and tools that are accessible. Hmm, very cool. Well, um, we're reaching about an hour, so I think we could wrap it up on that. And I don't actually have any more questions for you at this time, but I, again, I'll include, include all the links in the description below of this episode for anyone to have a look at your website and everywhere else. Uh, did you have any closing thoughts, anything you wanted to, to leave anyone with? Um, normally I even ask someone, I like to ask this, I know a lot of listeners are in their 20s or in early 20s, I like to ask sort of what you would, what you, a piece of advice you would give someone in their 20s, either if it was someone that's interested in starting a supplement line or if it was interested, uh, someone that's interested in just getting involved in a similar space that you're in, uh, what route would they go down in terms of schooling or uh, anything like that? Yeah, well, I'm a rather unconventional person and um, I haven't really moved through this process in any way that anyone else would probably ever recommend. Um, Definitely having a science degree and background is helpful. Um, it's not necessarily required, um, but yeah, I don't think I would have been able to force down the information um, that I got through my, my conventional schooling um, had I not been force fed it. So having a science degree helps. That being said, you can teach yourself a lot by learning the language of science and then reading scientific literature. Um, as far as becoming an entrepreneur and even in the supplement industry, um, I've done a lot of weird, unconventional stuff to get here. And uh, really, I think the most important thing is to just never give up, to think outside of the box and just don't ever tell yourself that you can't do it. You can always figure out a way to find money. You can always figure out a way to get past this obstacle. And really, you just have to be stubborn and persistent and never give up. And you got to kind of be a hustler and um, really be willing to explore ways of doing things that no one's ever done or that aren't standard practice. Um, and, you know, because it's like a very competitive world in general. So you kind of have to 
be creative and have an edge if you want to survive and make it. Mm -hmm. That's a solid piece of advice. And <laughs> really congratulations on getting your first payment as well for your business. I, I did Thank say that you. Awesome. <laughs> as someone that's had lots of businesses, I know that feeling. I've had businesses where like I'm just taking losses nonstop and then like eventually they come out of that. And it's like, yes, I knew it was going to get there. You know, it's just, it's like exactly what you're saying. Just patience, perseverance, and just confidence in your own abilities and what you can execute. And, you know, I think that's, that's a really good takeaway. Um, so thank you for taking the time to, to be on this episode and this podcast. And uh, I really appreciate it. Um, again, I'll, I'll include all your links down below. So if anyone wants to reach out, I'm sure they, they can do so. Do you have any closing thoughts for anyone? No, just, you know, that it was a pleasure to chat with you and thanks everyone for listening and feel free to reach out if you want to connect or have a question or um, just check out the products and see if they resonate with you. Very cool. Thanks again, Caitlin, and we'll talk again soon. See you. Yeah, thank you.